Chapter Forty One of the Pharaoh and the Priest. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines. The Pharaoh and the Priest by Boleslaw Cruz, translated by Jeremiah Curtin. Chapter Forty One, Part Two. When they entered the chamber on the first story, they saw Sarah kneeling at the cradle in such a posture as if nursing the child. On the wall and the pavement were blood spots. The nomarch grew so weak that he was forced to sit down, but Mephres was calm. He approached Sarah, touched her arm, and said, We come hither, lady, in the name of his holiness. Sarah sprang to her feet suddenly, and, looking at Mephres, cried in a terrible voice, a curse on you ye wish to have a jew king and here is the king for you oh why did i unfortunate listen to your traitorous advice she dropped and fell again at the side of the cradle groaning my son my little son how beautiful he was so cunning just stretching out his little hands to me oh jehovah give him back to me for that is in thy power o gods of egypt osiris Horus, isis o isis for thou too wert a mother it cannot be that in the heavens there is not one who will listen to my prayer such a dear little child a hyena would have spared him the priest took her by the arms and put her on her feet the police and the servants filled the room sarah said the high priest in the name of his holiness the lord of egypt i summon thee and command thee to answer who killed thy son she gazed straight ahead like a maniac and rubbed her forehead the nomarch gave her water and wine and one of the women present sprinkled her with vinegar in the name of his holiness repeated mefres i command thee sarah to tell the name of the murderer those present withdrew toward the door the nomarch with despairing action closed both his ears who killed said sarah in a panting voice sinking her gaze in the face of mefres who killed dost thou ask i know you ye priests i know your justice then who killed insisted mefres i cried sarah in an unearthly voice i killed my child because ye made him a jew that is false hissed the high priest ay ay repeated sarah ay ye people who see me and hear me she turned to the witnesses ye know that i killed him ay 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 cried she beating her breast at such an explicit accusation of herself the nomarch recovered and looked with compassion on sarah the women sobbed the doorkeeper wiped away tears but the holy mefres closed his blue lips firmly at last he said with emphatic voice while looking at the police official servants of his holiness i surrender this woman whom ye are to conduct to the edifice of justice but my son with me interrupted sarah rushing to the cradle with thee with thee poor woman said the nomarch and he covered his face the dignitaries went out of the chamber the police officer had a litter brought and with marks of the highest respect conducted sarah down to it the unfortunate woman seized a blood-stained bundle from the cradle and took a seat without resistance in the litter 
all the servants went after her to the chamber of justice when mefres with the nomarch was passing through the garden the nomarch said i have compassion on that woman she will be punished properly for lying answered the high priest dost thou think so worthiness i am certain that the gods will discover and punish the real murderer at the garden gate the steward of kama's villa stood in the road before them the phoenician woman is gone she disappeared last night a new misfortune whispered the nomarch have no fear said mefres she followed the prince from these answers the worthy nomarch saw that mefres hated the prince and his heart sank in him if they proved that rameses had killed his own son the heir would never ascend the throne of his fathers and the heavy yoke of the priesthood would weigh down still more mightily on egypt the sadness of the nomarch increased when they told him in the evening that two physicians of the temple of hator when looking at the corpse of the infant had expressed the opinion that only a man could have committed the murder some man said they seized with his right hand the feet of the little boy and broke his skull against the wall of the building sarah's hand could not clasp both legs on which moreover were traces of large fingers after this explanation mefres in company with the high priest sem went to sarah in the prison and implored her by all the gods of egypt and of foreign lands to declare that she was not guilty of the death of the child and to describe the person of the murderer we will believe thy word said mefres and thou wilt be free immediately but sarah instead of being moved by this proof of friendliness fell into anger jackals cried she two victims are not enough ye want still more i unfortunate woman did this i for who else would be so abject as to kill a child a little child that had never harmed any one but dost thou know stubborn woman what threatens thee asked the holy mefres thou wilt hold the remains of thy child for three days in thy arms and then be fifteen years in prison only three days repeated sarah but i would never part with my little seti and not only to prison but to the grave will i go with him and my lord will command to bury us together when the high priest left sarah the most pious sam said i have seen mothers who kill their own children and i have judged them but none were like her for she did not kill her child answered mefres angrily who then he whom the servant saw when he rushed into sarah's house and fled a moment later he who when going against the enemy took with him the priestess kama who defiled the altar he concluded mefres excitedly who hunted sarah out of the house and made her a slave because her son had been made a jew thy words are terrible answered sam in alarm the criminal is still worse and in spite of that stupid woman's stubbornness he will be discovered but the holy man did not suppose that his prophecy would be accomplished so quickly and it was accomplished in the following manner prince rameses when moving from Pibast with the army had not left the palace when the chief of the police learned of the murder of sarah's child and the flight of kama and this too that sarah's servants saw the prince entering her house in the night-time the chief of police was a very keen person he pondered over this question who could have committed the crime and instead of inquiring on the spot he hastened to pursue the guilty parties outside the city 
and forewarned Hiram of what had happened. While Mephres was trying to extort a confession from Sarah, the most active agents of the bypass police, and with them every Phoenician under the leadership of Hiram, were hunting the Greek Lycon and the priestess Kama. So, three nights after the prince had departed, the chief of police returned to Pibast, bringing with him a large cage covered with linen, in which was some woman who screamed in heaven-piercing accents. Without lying down to sleep, the chief summoned the officer who had made the investigation, and listened to his report attentively. At sunrise the two priests, Sam and Mephras, with the nomarch of Pibast, received a most humble invitation to deign immediately, should such be their will, to come to the chief of police. In fact, all three entered at the very same moment, so the chief, bending low, implored them to tell all they knew concerning the murder of the son of the viceroy. The nomarch, though a great dignitary, grew pale when he heard the humble invitation, and answered that he knew nothing. The high priest Sem gave almost the same answer, adding, for himself, the reflection that Sarah seemed to him innocent. When the turn came to the holy Mephras, he said, I know not whether thou hast heard, worthiness, that during the night of the crime one of the prince's women escaped. Her name was Kama. The chief of police feigned to be greatly astonished. I know not, continued Mephras, whether they have told thee that the heir did not pass the night in the palace, but was in Sarah's house. The doorkeeper and two servants recognized him, for the night was rather clear. It is a great pity, finished the high priest, that thou hast not been here these two days past. The chief bowed very low to Mephras, and turned to the nomarch. Wouldst thou be pleased, worthiness, to tell me graciously how the prince was dressed that evening? He wore a white jacket and a purple apron with gold fringe, answered the nomarch. I remember very well, for that evening I was one of the last who spoke with him. The chief of police clapped his hands, and Sarah's doorkeeper entered the chamber. Didst thou see the prince, inquired he, when he came in the night to the house of the lady? I opened the door to his worthiness. May he live through eternity. And dost thou remember how he was dressed? He wore a jacket with yellow and black stripes, a cap of the same colors, and a blue and red apron, answered the doorkeeper. Both priests and the nomarch began to wonder. Then they brought in Sarah's servants, who repeated exactly the same description of the prince's dress. The nomarch's eyes flashed with delight, but on the face of the holy Mephras confusion was evident. I will swear, put in the worthy nomarch, that the prince wore a white jacket and a purple apron with gold fringe. Now, most worthy men, said the chief of police, be pleased to come with me to the prison. There we shall see one more witness. They went to a subterranean hall, where under a window stood a great cage covered with linen. The chief threw back the linen with his stick, and those present saw a woman lying in a corner. But this is the Lady Kama, cried the nomarch. It was indeed Kama, sick and changed very greatly. When she rose at the sight of the dignitaries and appeared in the light, those present saw that her face had bronze-colored spots on it. Her eyes seemed wandering. Kama, said the chief, the goddess Astaroth has touched thee with leprosy. It was not the goddess, said she with a changed voice. It was the low Asiatics who threw in a tainted veil to me. Oh, I am unfortunate. Kama, continued the chief, our most famous high priests, Sem and Mephras, have taken compassion on thee. 
If thou wilt tell the truth, they will pray for thee, and perhaps the almighty Osiris will turn from thee misfortune. There is still time, the disease is only beginning, and our gods have great power. The sick woman fell on her knees, and pressing her face against the grating, said in a broken voice, Have compassion on me, I have renounced Phoenician gods, and to the end of life will serve the gods of Egypt. Only avert from me. Answer, but answer truly, said the chief, and the gods will not refuse thee their favor. Who killed the child of the Jewess, Sarah? The traitor, Lycon the Greek. He was a singer in our temple, and said that he loved me. But he has rejected me, the infamous traitor, and seized my jewels. Why did Lycon kill the child? He wanted to kill the prince, but not finding him in the palace, he ran to Sarah's villa. How did the criminal enter a house that was guarded? Dost thou not know that Lycon resembles the prince? They are as much alike as two leaves of one palm tree. How was Lycon dressed that night? He wore a jacket in yellow and black stripes, a cap of the same material, and a red and blue apron. Do not torment me. Return me my health. Be compassionate. I will be faithful to your gods. Are ye going already? Oh, hard-hearted! Poor woman, said the high priest Sem, I will send to thee a mighty worker of miracles. May ye be blessed by Astaroth. No, may your almighty and compassionate gods bless you, whispered Kama in dreadful weariness. The dignitaries left the prison and returned to the upper hall. The nomarch, seeing that the high priest Mephras kept his eyes cast down and his lips fixed, asked him, Art thou not rejoiced, holy man, at these wonderful discoveries made by our chief? I have no reason to rejoice, answered Mephras dryly. The case, instead of being simplified, has grown difficult. Sarah asserts that she killed the child, while the Phoenician woman answers as if someone had taught her. Then dost thou not believe, worthiness, interrupted the chief? No, for I have never seen two men so much alike that one could be mistaken for the other. Still more, I have never heard that there exists in Pibast a man who could counterfeit our viceroy. May he live through eternity. That man, said the chief, was in Pibast at the temple of Astaroth. The Tyrian prince Hiram knew him, and our viceroy has seen him with his own eyes. More than that, not long ago, he commanded me to seize him, and even offered a large reward. Ho, ho, cried Mephras, I see, worthy chief, I see that the highest secrets of the state are concentrating about thee. But permit me not to believe in that Lycon till I see him. And he left the hall in anger, and after him Sam shrugging his shoulders. But when their steps had ceased to sound in the corridor, the nomarch, looking quickly at the chief, asked, What dost thou think? Indeed, said the chief, the holy prophets are beginning to interfere in things which have never been under their jurisdiction. And we must endure this, whispered the nomarch. For a time only, sighed the chief, in so far as I know men's hearts, all the military, all the officials of his holiness, in fine, all the aristocracy, are indignant at this priestly tyranny. Everything must have its limit. Thou hast uttered great words, said the nomarch, pressing the chief's hand, and some internal voice tells me that I shall see thee as supreme chief of police at the side of his holiness. A couple of days passed. During this time the dissectors had secured from corruption 
the remains of the viceroy's son. But Sarah continued in prison, awaiting her trial, certain that she would be condemned. Kamal was sitting also, confined in her cage. People feared her, for she was infected with leprosy. It is true that a miracle-working physician visited her, repeating prayers before her, gave her everything to drink, and gave her healing water. Still, fever did not leave the woman, and the bronze-colored spots on her cheeks and brows grew more definite. Therefore, an order came from the nomarch to take her out to the eastern desert, where, separated from mankind, dwelt a colony of lepers. On a certain evening the chief appeared at the temple of Ta, saying that he wished to speak with the high priest. The chief had with him two agents, and a man covered from head to foot in a bag. After a while an answer was sent to the chief that the high priests were awaiting him in the sacred chamber of the statue of their divinity. The chief left the agents before the gate, took by the arm the man dressed in the bag, and, conducted by a priest, went to the sacred chamber. When he entered, he found Mephris and Sem arrayed as high priests, with silver plates on their bosoms. He fell before them on the pavement and said, In accordance with your commands, I bring to you, holy fathers, the criminal Lycon. Do ye wish to see his face? When they assented, the chief rose and pulled the bag from the man standing near him. Both high priests cried out with astonishment. The Greek was really so like Rameses that it was impossible to resist the deception. Thou art Lycon, the singer from the temple of Astaroth? asked the holy Sem of the bound Greek. Lycon smiled contemptuously. And didst thou kill the child of the prince? added Mephris. The Greek grew blue from rage and strove to tear off his bonds. Yes, cried he, I killed the whelp, for I could not find the wolf, his father. May heaven's blazes burn him. In what has the prince offended thee, criminal? asked the indignant Sem. In what? He seized from me Kama and plunged her into a disease for which there is no remedy. I was free, I might have fled with life and property, but I resolved to avenge myself, and now ye have me. It was his luck that your gods are mightier than my hatred. Now ye may kill me, the sooner ye do so the better. This is a great criminal, said Sem. Mephris was silent and gazed into the Greek's eyes, which were burning with rage. He admired his courage and fell to thinking. All at once he said to the chief, Worthy sir, thou mayest go, this man belongs to us. This man, replied the chief, who was indignant, belongs to me. I seized him, and I shall receive a reward from Prince Rameses. Mephris rose and drew forth from his mantle a gold medal. In the name of the Supreme Council, of which I am a member, said he, I command thee to yield this man to us. Remember that his existence is among the highest state secrets. And, indeed, it would be a hundred times better for thee to forget that thou hast left him here. The chief fell again to the pavement, and went out, repressing his anger. Our lord the prince will repay you when he is the pharaoh, thought he, and he will pay you my part. Ye will see. Where is the prisoner? asked the agent, standing before the gate. In prison, answered the chief. The hands of the god have rested on him. And our reward? asked the elder agent. The hands of the gods have rested on your reward also. Imagine then to yourselves that ye saw that prisoner only in a dream. Ye will be safer in health and in service. The agents dropped their heads in silence. But in their hearts they swore vengeance against the priests. 
who had taken a handsome reward from them. After the chief had gone, Mefres summoned a number of priests and whispered something into the ears of the eldest. The priests surrounded the Greek and conducted him out of the chamber. Lycon made no resistance. I think, said Sem, that this man should be brought before the court as a murderer. Never, cried Mefres with decision. On this man weighs an incomparably greater crime. He is like the heir to the throne. And what wilt thou do with him, worthiness? I will reserve him for the supreme council, said Mefres, when the heir to the throne visits pagan temples and steals from them women, when the country is threatened with danger of war and the power of the priests with rebellion, Lycon may be of service. On the following midday, the high priest Sem, the nomarch, and the chief of police went to Sarah's prison. The unfortunate woman had not eaten for a number of days, and was so weak that she did not rise from the bench, even in presence of so many dignitaries. Sarah, said the nomarch, whom she had known before, we bring thee good news. News, repeated she, with a pathetic voice, my son is not living, that is the news, my breast is full of nourishment, but my heart is full of sadness. Sarah, said the nomarch, thou art free, thou didst not kill thy child. Her seemingly dead features revived. She sprang from the bench and cried, I, I killed him, only I. Consider, Sarah, a man killed thy son, a Greek named Lycon, the lover of the Phoenician Kama. What dost thou say? whispered she, seizing the nomarch's hands. Oh, that Phoenician woman! I knew that she would ruin us. But the Greek? I know no Greek. How could my son offend any man? I know not, continued the nomarch, that Greek is no longer alive. But that man was so like Prince Rameses, that when he entered thy chamber thou didst think him our lord, and thou hast preferred to accuse thy own self, rather than our lord and thine. Then that was not Rameses, cried she, seizing her head, and I, wretched woman, let a strange man take my son from his cradle? Ha, ha, ha! Then she laughed more and more. On a sudden, as if her legs had been cut from under her, she fell to the floor, her hands hopped a couple of times, and she died in hysteric laughter. But on her face remained an expression of sorrow which even death could not drive from it. End of chapter 41, part 2. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah.